That is what I have always understood to be the essence of anarchism. The conviction that the burden of proof has to be placed on authority, and that it should be dismantled if that burden cannot be met. Noah Chomsky Bending Not Breaking Season 6, Episode 13 Venom of the Red Lotus Back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I'm Sunshine. And I'm Ben. And we are at the last episode of this season. It went by fast. It's super fast. And then there's only one season left. And then what? And then what? I don't know. Comics, books. I mean, we're not. We'll we'll cross we'll that. cross that line. We'll when cross we get that there. portal to the spirit world. When we <laughs> Maybe get we'll there. start over. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, oh man, I can't believe we're at the last episode. But because it's the last episode. Uh, we decided to make sure that it was a great last episode, and so to make that happen, we've we got a little special guest, don't we? We sure do. Ben, who do we have with us today? Let me introduce to everyone listening the glorious Alex Fine. Alex Fine is our guest today. He utilizes he, his, him pronouns for everybody to know, and he received his undergraduate degree from UNC Chapel Hill in linguistics and German literature which eventually led to him to pursue a joint PhD in brain and cognitive sciences and linguistics. He's worked as a behavioral scientist studying how humans understand language, which is super cool. More recently, uh, building on his Zen Buddhist practice, Alex has begun training as a chaplain. He completed a semester-long internship as a chaplain at Duke Hospital and is now applying to chaplain residencies and completing his training at the Upaya Zen Center in New Mexico. Alex, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you both very much for having me. Uh, I'm doing just fine. Yeah. Just fine. I love it. I love it. Alex, uh, Ben relayed to me that you might have an interesting journey of, of how you started watching Avatar and The Legend of Korra. Uh, is this something you started as a kid, or is this a more recent thing? A much more recent. Um, <laughs> ben and I knew each other at Duke. Ben also trained as a... Um, a chaplain at Duke Hospital, and um, we got to talking. Uh, we we worked on sort of uh, we worked on two different units in the hospital, overseen by the same um, senior chaplain, and got to know each other that way. And Ben uh, mentioned the podcast and uh, asked if I would be interested, and I said yes. And and then I started watching. <laughs> so I, I started watching. I started watching The Legend of Korra. And then realized that there was a, a whole other show called Avatar The Last Airbender. So I went back uh, because of various neuroses and attempted to watch all of that uh, before starting Korra. But then I realized that Ben would probably um, never speak to me again <laughs> if I insisted on making it all the way through. So I've seen like half of Avatar The Last Airbender and I've seen Korra uh, up through the end of season three. And I actually, until this, until we, until maybe two days ago, I thought that this was actually the series finale. And so oh. I, was, I felt all this pressure, but it's just the season finale. Because <laughs> as soon as the episode ended, season four, episode one started playing automatically on Netflix the way it does. And I, I, was, I was surprised, but also kind of relieved that I don't have to carry the burden of the series finale. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to be very clear to everybody listening is that I did not make... <laughs> Alex go and watch everything. I said you only have to That's watch true. the one episode. 
Uh, that's true, but I, I, that's that's just not in my nature to, to just well, yeah, watch one Yeah, but if there's one, a show you're going to watch all of, yeah. Yeah, it's not a bad show to watch all of, you know? No, no, it's not. No, I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> awesome. Um, and so today uh, we are talking about Venom of the Red Lotus, the, the season finale. Uh, Woo, it's a lot. There's a lot going down. Um, yeah. But weirdly enough, when I give a recap, it's it doesn't feel like that much, so... Yeah, um, every time. But before we jump into the actual meat of the conversation and talk about the lens and what's happening, I've got to do my part because I wasn't here to do it last week. Yes. I've got to give the 30-second recap. I'm so excited for this. All right. So, Ben, will you get 30 seconds on the clock? I sure will. And will you count me off so I can quickly do a 30-second recap? I sure will. On your mark, get set, go. Zaheer tells Cora how he's going to kill her, uh, and Proje- Projection Janora sees this and then tries to get the, the groups together to escape, and the Red Lotus poison Cora, and Team Avatar shows up, and a fight happens, and then there's more fighting, and then some fighting happens, and then there's <laughs> more fighting, and then Zaheer almost kills Cora, but Janora uses the power of friendship to send Zaheer back to Kansas. That's a Tornado Wizard of Oz joke. And then Cora uh, starts the very Five long seconds. process to recovery, and Janora gets her tattoos. Oh. I feel like you you kind of copped out a little bit there. You, There's you, so much fighting. What do you, you want me to say? You could have been more descriptive. You could have said Bolin and Mako did some things. Like There was, you, you, there could have been a little bit more description. I feel very content with the way that I've presented the material. It's, I guess it's fine. You made me chuckle. I, I feel good about it, too. But uh, the fighting was interesting to me because I think it is it the first time in the show that someone has actually died. Well, no, the, like, the, the queen of the Earth Kingdom died. Yeah, but, that's but probably the, the first time. But there's been some really intense fighting, and no one has ever died, but yeah. Obvi- obviously. Yeah. Explicitly. Until, until that's now. like, yeah. well, because <laughs> then there's, th- this uh, this season definitely happens, right? Because even Plea is off screen. Yeah. They just uh, very closely, missed, like, cut it at the right yeah. time. Uh, mm-hmm. Zaheer's, um, Zaheer's firebender yeah. that was on the team, on the squad, that could shoot bombs. Right. Also died. That's right. That's right. But this, but it's yeah, but still this, but just this, one, this, this season, though. Getting electrocuted <clears throat> and the screams is a, is a <laughs> lot. Yeah, that was, that was intense. That was rough. It's a, it's a whole lot of like <clears throat> Ursula getting stabbed by a ship. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's your favorite, isn't it? It's very, it's, it's very present in mind. She's terrifying. Yeah. Again, it goes like Ursula, Co. Uh huh. Ursula again. Yep. Keep going. Annie yep. Wilkes. <laughs> yeah. Notice that everyone, everybody, I want to remind you that Sunshine loves horror. <laughs> and Ursula terrifies me more than any horror movie I've ever seen. Yikes. Yeah, here we are. So let's talk. We're talking through this episode through the lens of authority. And Alex, that was a lens that you chose, right? And so help, yes. me, help me understand, what when you say authority, what does that mean? That's a great question. I don't know that I have a really, like... Um, you know, generally applicable abstract definition. I guess I think of authority as having to do with the power to make decisions or permission to make decisions or exert power in some way that is like socially licensed. So someone, there has to be, there has to be consent, um, or at least that's maybe a reasonable working definition to start with because it's something that kind of, um, uh, permeates the show, right? Like every season is really about some challenge to the Avatar's authority mm-hmm. in some way, right? And then, yeah. um, 
and then there's there's sort of intersecting authority. There's there's Korra's authority as the Avatar, which um, is is kind of limited in surprising ways, given that she's on the one hand very powerful, on the other hand she can be exiled from you know Republic City <laughs> because the, yeah. ma- the the mayor has authority to do that. And the, a lot of the characters' journeys are kind of about their attempts to negotiate or their attempts to kind of figure out which sources of authority they want to align themselves with. And I also think that the, we can get into all this separately, but I also think that the, the way the show responds to um, uh, the questioning of authority is, is sometimes kind of disappointing. Like it's mm, uh, interesting. Um, you know, they're the the equalists in the first season, I thought like, well, maybe they're gonna eventually explain like why I mean, as someone who's totally new to this universe, it does seem a little bit unfair that some people can bend and other sure people can't. That's a really big disparity. <laughs> and like the equalists maybe they have a point, but I feel like that never really got acknowledged. And then also, um, in this season, you know, the the Red Lotus, um, there, I was trying to figure out like why this guy was so evil. Yeah. Until at the end, it's like, it's kind of this heavy-handed thing where he explicitly says Zahir explicitly says I think that um, the uh, that they're allied. Well, actually, he doesn't say it. The show kind of makes this draws this um, um, parallel between Zahir and Vatu. So yeah. there's like the anarchist and, and then like the principle of like chaos and disorder. And those aren't really the same thing to me. Yeah. So it's an interesting take. I, I'm, I'm finding the d- difference between authority, power, and an influence mm-hmm. almost feel like they're interrelated here. And it seems like authority when it's used in the way of authority, which which to me goes exactly kind of what you said, like it's the power or right to give orders, to make decisions. And what I think it comes down to is enforce obedience. Like when you have the power to enforce, that's when it feels like an authority statement, like power over mm-hmm. seems like authority. Whereas influence is different and john maxwell is a a leadership thinker out there that i have read a lot of his books and talks about the difference between power and authority and influence and says that influence is what you really want as a leader Mm -hmm. because it's the it's the ability to make change right it increases it's all based off of uh relationship whereas authority is like this position i have gives me the power versus my relationship with you allows me to suggest and i think that what's happening with all of these villains is is an attempt at a grasp at authority when in reality they're using power over without it being socially given except by the few people are surrounded by mm-hmm. uh sunshine what, what about you what do you think yeah it's interesting to hear the concept of consent and how that plays into authority because i think there are moments where consent like people have to consent that this person is able to make these decisions but i'd like that you like that you've lifted up that it doesn't mean everyone consented to allow that that individual is able to kind of make those decisions. And so, um, you know, who has authority? Well, clearly Zaheer has authority within the Red Lotus um, and starts to build that influence in the Earth Kingdom before he leaves. Um, but Korra is certainly not 
giving him authority or consent to do the things that he's doing and so how does that play in those moments and so super interesting well in the earth kingdom i thought that he would maybe i'm misremembering i thought that he was kind of like the joker where he just like uh kind of got everything you know totally upside down and then left yep. <laughs> and yep. that was that was what he wanted <laughs> which he does right yeah, he, yeah. certainly because there but there are people who come out of the, the the cells under the earth kingdom and they're like i love this guy right yeah. and so uh-huh. like um it's how do we it's who is giving consent and who has the power and control to give consent right and yeah um and how does that play well, it's, it's interesting because the and this i haven't seen like i said i haven't well one thing that um just as an aside, I remember, uh, I, I don't know who said this, but I, one thing that has stuck in my mind over the years since I heard this is that um, uh, the, the definition of a, of a state is the entity that has a legitimate monopoly on the use of force mm. um, or mm. government, definition of government. Yeah, um, that kind of came to mind when you were speaking earlier, Ben. But, um, you know, it, I haven't seen... Ben didn't give me time to finish all of Avatar The Last Airbender, <laughs> so I haven't seen all of it, but, um, uh, you know, in this series, every every season is about a challenge to the Avatar's authority, and I never yeah. get, but, but the, what's funny about it is, like, everyone, it's implicit in that, that the Avatar does something really important, but we never get to really see what the Avatar does, mm-hmm. because the whole show is just about the Avatar fending off challenges so yeah and it's interesting that like it is about the avatar trying to and and i'm going back to this word enforce because that's what authority kind of that's the word that kind of separates it from the others for me Uh whenever the avatar tries to enforce things we always see it fail (laughs) initially Uh because of a lack of power right and that's not necessarily the entire reason, but the reason these villains, so to speak, quote, quote, villains, mm-hmm. are able to get away with what they do is because they have immense power to make change because of their abilities, mm-hmm. right? Zaheer would not be where he is if he did not get airbending, right? right? And neither would have Amon. Amon would never have been able to do anything that he did without his bending. And the Unalak would never have been able to. And so it's interesting to me that power, like it's it's the it's the cliche, right? When when you have power, the only problem is it leads to wanting more power, mm-hmm. and this grab at authority. And so I'm I'm still I guess trying to parse out the difference between. I guess power is neutral. Authority is trying to wield your power to enforce rules. Is that, how does that sound? What, what's missing? I, I doubt that there's a, I mean, I think we use the word in different ways, right? So like we talk about, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, um, and it's used in positive and negative ways. So in, in some, uh, you know, when, when Ben and I, when you, were, when you and I were in the hospital, people would talk mm-hmm. about pastoral authority, which was usually used in a positive way. It was like you, if someone asks to see a chaplain and you show up as a chaplain, you have a certain kind of authority that is that can be used very to, to very positive effect in that situation. You can, you know, invite the people in the room to pray or have a moment of silence, and you're kind of given that authority by virtue of this role you have. Um, it would be an abuse of authority for you to go and do it when you're not invited to do it. You know, yeah. to go to go into someone's room and say like, "Hey, you know, get up, let's pray." 
you know, that, that would be, uh, or, or to go and say, like, if, if you don't pray before surgery, you know, God's not going to let you recover. <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that's that, what we that, call that, spiritual abuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's an abuse of authority, right? It's like you, you get entrusted with this, um, uh, with this role, and then you, and then you use it in ways that it wasn't intended. But we also talk about, you know, authority in more negative ways lately, you know, um, especially talking about like the police. Um, yeah. Uh, but it, you know, even with police, it's interesting because, you know, they um, only have authority. D- does an off-duty police officer have authority? Yeah. And, and if so, yeah. what kind? Um, so it's, it's it's sort of like uh, uh, defined very relationally. Yeah. Again, it comes down to role for me. I, I'm thinking about just this the, the role I think that you're pointing us to is, is important. All right, so here's what I want to do. I would love to, let's go to a moment in this episode that is all about authority that, that raises that up for you. And I'm happy to offer that to whoever speaks first. Yeah, I think for me, the, um, the authority that comes with getting the tattoos Mm. is an an interesting is Mm -hmm. is the symbolism that comes with that right like this you are now a master you now have the tattoos that show that and so with that comes an assumed authority in certain ways you are now an authority around airbending right and so Uh um and how that's such a beautiful moment arguably makes me cry every time in the in in all of Uh the you know avatar universe that's one of my favorite moments um and it's this person who's been working towards this and has been studying and, and really, and yeah. then we see the practical um, usage of that mastery in this episode. Yeah. Um, and so to then see, um, it's like, it's just a positive sense of authority. Cause it's weird. I, I feel like, uh, I feel like authority can be, there's bad authority and there's good authority. Right. And, yeah. there, um, and so this is a real positive moment of, yeah. of someone kind of attaining that authority. Well, um, Piggybacking on that, a, a moment immediately neighboring that is um, uh, Tenzin's kind of seemingly spur of the moment decision to announce then and there. Right, you see him like a, a, the, in the scene before that, kind of having a, a moment where he gets an idea, and then when his daughter is being ordained or whatever, he announces that the Airbenders are going to return to their nomadic roots, and then fill, basically fill in for the Avatar. Um, yeah. While she's and and so Tenzin is a really interesting case because, um, in in in, in developmental psychology, there's a distinction between authoritative parenting versus mm-hmm. a, authoritarian parenting. Mm-hmm. So uh, an authoritative authoritative parenting is considered a, a positive um, uh, attribute of a parent. So authoritative parents like recognize I'm the parent, you're the child. That gives me a certain amount of power. Boundaries. And, 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 and yeah, boundaries, exactly. And it's like that, that is very liberating for the child because it's like there's this whole class of things you don't have to worry about. Yeah. And sometimes it's going to piss you off, but like ultimately it's really good that like you just don't have to worry about these things. Whereas authoritarian parenting is more like domineering and my way or the highway. My way or the highway. And Tenzin's story has been in a lot of ways like him trying to. Negotiate back and forth, those two, right? right? Yeah. yeah, like not knowing when to be authori- not. I think he, his his intention is to be authoritative, and to kind yeah. of wear the mantle of his dad. But sometimes he veers towards authoritarian, and so I thought it was interesting when he made that announcement. And then it, 
I was kind of struck by Korra's face when um, mm. Janora is being. Um, this is a moment. Yeah, it's a real moment. Like she, she doesn't look uh, unambiguously, you know, moved. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like a simple thing where she's like proud of her, her little yeah, sister. Yeah, it's really complicated, figure. right? It's yeah. it. It is. It's she's living in this space where she was just severely traumatized right and mm, yeah. what trauma does to the brain is terrifying and it reduces us it it blocks people off it turns us away yeah. from others there's so it's very isolating in this moment it's really hard to be happy for your little sister in in name right, right. and and really in act too so it's it's fascinating what our bodies do to try to get us to heal mm-hmm and I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on that because there's a, there's more to spend on that in the next episode. But like, there's so much to talk about with trauma. But I'm not sure how it's connected to authority. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot back to what you what we started with, sure. Um, with Janora and then Tenzin, mm-hmm. I, it, the symbology right I think is worth attending to the symbolism of of tattoos and mm. also of titles, I think, mm-hmm. makes a difference. So I, when Janora is dubbed a master, it reminds me of when, you know, okay, I, I have my PhD in, or mm-hmm. hey, I have my certificate in. It, it mm-hmm. conveys a baseline understanding of the topic, right, that I think um, is one of those things where I've wanted to really kind of get rid of because who has the authority to give those things away, mm-hmm. right? And who has access to, to, to do those things, especially when it comes to education in the United States, right? And so when people are dubbed as, you know, given these things with PhDs, often it's because they, could, they were in a position to be able to afford to do the things that got them there. Um, and so certifications and authority often is restricted from those who do not have the ability to pay for it mm-hmm. or or whatever else or the time, time or whatever right? the, or the boundaries whatever the be. constraints yeah. are and so i just i think it's interesting to for for us to kind of think about just how often authority is based off of things that are outside of the control for most people to get um this Which, is this is nepotism, yeah, in a way. I mean, like, there's, there's one airmaster, it's and his Janora. daughter, <laughs> and so right, um, and so you know, it accesses a big part of that, and proximity is a big part of that. Yeah, and if you don't have the ability to have access or be close to those things, then you're yeah. less likely it's, to it's, do it. Right, it's no accident that Janora yeah. is the youngest airbending master in history. Mm-hmm. Right, because the context of that is that Tenzin was the only airbending master for <laughs> for a hot minute right. before she was born, and he has the burden mm-hmm. of making sure that she is prepared for the next generation. Right, and being surrounded by that, and then put into this position where she had to utilize that airbending to survive and to keep the world safe is going to exacerbate her her growth right so that it's it's really hard to separate how young she is from all of the other things that contributed to her becoming a master so early which doesn't like uh, clearly that doesn't take away from her accomplishments right like no 
Absolutely not. She she is amazing. Yes. And <laughs> we can also recognize this is where like we can it's not one or the other, and we can recognize mm-hmm. that proximity, yeah, uh, and access to do those things made this possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's other easy, people easy to don't find. have those. Yeah, I think it's probably easy to find parallels in in real life, right? Like uh, your brain surgeon worked incredibly hard to become a brain surgeon and you know thank goodness he's there to perform surgery on your brain was it helpful that his parents were also surgeons yes (laughs) yes Um, yes it was (laughs) but it's like still good that he's there so yeah i mean i think that that uh they're that they're there so i think with janora um the same thing came to mind for me right that like uh she would not have been in this position uh, had she not uh, been Tenzin's daughter but of course um, the the show makes it pretty clear that she is a bona fide master so like, oh, she's she, exceptional she, she, yeah. she does she does have <laughs> she does have the thing that she needs um, but but yeah there there is this this uh, tinge of you know uh, not entirely democratic yeah. mean, means of getting it which is well, yeah. and, and again, I think what you're helping us grapple with is that that's okay, especially mm-hmm. in this situation, right? I think when it becomes not okay is when other people's other people are not given that opportunity, mm-hmm. right? And what they're actively doing is trying to get as many people as possible to this point. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that's definitely a part of the conversation is that it would feel a lot worse if the goal was not to get everybody to this point, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's also interesting because I think a lot of times in our lives, we associate experience and age and things like that with the authority that comes with that, right? So, like, you go into a job and you're working with someone who's been doing that role for 30 years. We say that's the authority. Well, Janora shows up and, 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 and captures it here, which is something that many people who have more experience uh, have not, were not able to do. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that can also show that, like, just because someone is new into a space does not mean they are not credible. Absolutely. Um, in in whatever that space might be, or whatever well, the subject matter might be. I think the the thing that stood out with Janora, the, what she seemed to do on at least two occasions that Tenzin uh, didn't teach her was to tap into the collective ability of Airbenders mm-hmm. work, working together. Um, yeah. Which makes her kind of an interesting authority in this case, because because the this, the two examples that come to mind for me, of course, there's the really salient example at the end where they create yeah. the, the tornado. But then, before that, she also worked with her little brother, and um, the woman whose name I forget that Bolin Opal. was in, yeah Opal yeah, but Bolin's uh, n- latest crush. Um, they <laughs> work together to you know blow the keys off the guard's belt, etc. So she she yeah. seems to have this really keen sense of like the the collective um need and the collective power which makes her i think kind of interesting but one thing i wanted to just throw in um was uh there's a a really talking about like the unfairness with which authority is sometimes propagated you know with janora it kind of like we've said it makes sense but uh what about cora the avatar being, um, you know, reincarnated as the daughter of a chieftain. Yeah. Like, is that, uh, it certainly makes an it isolated incident. I, I guess the first avatar was kind of like a street urchin 
So yeah. it's not it's not like this, this, this thing. It's not like this thing where rat. I guess it would be it would be more um, kind of annoying or, or boring or something if like the avatar always just happened to be born into like you know noble blood. But I don't think that's what happens in the show. Yeah, there's a lot of evidence to the contrary okay. um, on in all of the Air Nations with all of the various avatars that we know mm. about. Um, Juan certainly being one of them, but also we have more from like. Even you know? even Kiyoshi, right? Kiyoshi was yeah. born uh, an orphan and was raised okay. as an orphan, and yeah, uh, I don't want to give too much away in case you end up reading it. You I, know? Okay, okay, yeah, thank <laughs> you. There's whole books. Yep, <laughs> there's so much more. <coughs> yeah, wow. Okay, so I have a moment that I want to talk about. No, we actually don't have to. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Okay, great. Uh, r- I want to talk about Raiko. So President Raiko, leader of Republic City. Uh, last time they engaged between Korra and Raiko, he banished her from Republic City. And now that she has done all of the work to make sure that the Red Lotus is no longer a threat to the world, at least uh, they are no longer at large, we now have Raiko, who is like, oh, I'm so glad you're back. Let me be the first person to, you know, grovel to you and thank you for your service. And then I, I just re- talk about power that is gained and kept in a way that feels icky is, is Raiko. We learn in, in the comics, spoiler alert, we learn in the comics that he's kind of dirty when he wants to maintain power. How dare and, you? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's um, Ely. He definitely makes some, uh, yeah, grody decisions that I would not want in a leader that is very reflective of, of politics. Mm-hmm. And so... I just think that this looks like an example here of an opportunist, like an opportunist authoritarian in a way. Playing the game. Yeah, playing yeah, the, the game. Yeah, there's no, there's no spine behind it. Yeah. It's just like, you know, whatever is, is expedient. What's well, going to make me look the best and set me up the best for the future? That's what I'm going to do. It's pretty problematic. Isn't it? Yeah. And isn't that also, like, not well, too uncommon? Super common. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay. I have one more moment. Um, oh, good. I, good. I, I, I think Bolin is possibly uh, a sort of like um, anarchist model in this show. He's the only interesting character. When all this stuff is happening, the main thing he's concerned about is making sure that Opal knows <laughs> what a good job he did, right? Um, he's always got some Priorities crush. Bullet. He's he's really he's really in his body, you know. Uh, he goes after Opal. Uh, it made no sense for him to go after um, the the twin, the daughter of um, Unalak in the last oh, season. You know, Desna Nesna. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's 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 the only Esca. one who seems to not have. Yeah, Eska. I think that's right. Um, you know, Mako is uh, this like bootlicker fascist cop. I'm just joking. Um, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I I um, he just needs to learn. Yeah, yeah, and the, and you know, everybody in the show is like so hung up on like how they're going to have prestige in some way, right? Mm-hmm. And but not Bolin. Yeah. I mean, Bolin kind of like has this narcissistic. Well, he already had that with, stage. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like in the movies, but it's like there's nothing strategic about it, right? It's all just yeah. like. This is awesome. I love this attention. Everybody's looking at me. Um, so when uh, when he had his moment with Opal at the end there, that was kind of uh, I was I was it occurred to me that he he's the only one who 
has not been sort of angling yeah. for something this whole time. Asami, I, you know, has is the, like the heir to a fortune and yeah. wants that. To I like the going. way you phrased that. You said he's very in his body, which mm-hmm. I think is um, a very apt description of that. I think it's super interesting. Uh, so you're you're kind of focusing on this moment with Opal, right? I, I want to point us to another moment with Bolin between him and Gazan in this fight that I thought was particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. Gazan, the uh, authority on lava bending, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. is you know saying, "Hey, remember that last time we fought?" And Bolin's like, "Sure do. Guess what I can do now?" And then mm-hmm. he. He has the smug look on his face, and then he winks, he winks at Gazan, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And I found I, I don't think I'd ever noticed that wink before until rewatching this time because it it never like stood out, but it really stood out this time because this is a this is me conveying to Gazan that hey, I'm an authority on this now too, mm-hmm. and that, that little wink. I mean, and it's interesting though, like we. We act differently in the face of um, someone trying to enforce us to doing something when we have power to push back, right? And so this kind of authority that he has allows this clash now between two powers that be, two authorities, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And it's interesting to me that to to watch this happen because Gazan leverages the, the the real only authority he really truly has, which is the authority over his own life. And mm. when he realizes mm. that he's going to get beaten, he's like, nope. <laughs> I'm he, not going back. He takes the whole thing down. I'm not yeah, going he does, back. He does like a honor suicide, ritual suicide kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, part of me in my head canon actually thinks that he like tricked everybody think like he he actually is gonna escape and go live as a hermit off in the woods it's a real scarlet uh, witch moment if you huh? didn't see it happen it didn't happen yeah um and we although didn't see it. Uh, like we we saw that's some certainly my role with the M- that's certainly my role at the mcu is <laughs> we, if you don't see it happen it didn't happen but yeah the, the that's my headcanon but the the main thing i wanted to lift up this is this authority over one's life and the choice one can make to to take it mm-hmm which is a choice. It is a choice. Yeah, but we should probably like <laughs> put a content warning in front of this episode. I guess if you've watched it, you know what's coming. But there's a lot going on in this that we are, are grappling with. What well, okay. I wanted to, um, you mentioned trauma earlier. Is it okay if I? Well, you said you kind of want to move on from that, but I was curious about why. One question that came up, and we don't have to talk about it if you don't want, but. Um, Cora, it's true, is depicted at the end of this episode as like deeply traumatized, which is interesting because last season, you know, she went into a parallel dimension and literally battled evil itself. Yeah, <laughs> and, and was fine. But now yeah. she's. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering, like, what the narrative uh, justification yeah. for for that is to finally. I have. So yeah. many thoughts on this. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant because it's such a large conversation. Sure, yeah, we, we only have, have X amount of time. I, I think. Yeah. Well, and what I what I love about this is that we get to see more of this in next season. In the beginning, couple of episodes, actually, really throughout the whole season. Next next season, uh-huh. um, is Cora's journey with with this trauma, mm-hmm. and that is something that how it's I, kind of compounded on itself. Yeah, and and I, I think that's one of the answers that I give 
in in to that question is don't truly do a trauma the first time it will continue to compound it's it's she struggled with Amon. she had ptsd from that she mm. struggled with it she has lived memories of working through her time with Amon, and then she lost mm. all of the avatars that was really tough her yeah. connection and then it just compounds and compounds to where it feels she, like this she didn't time lose them they no, were, they were they were they were taken. taken. Thank you for that reframe. That was that's really important. Yeah, that, they that were was taken. brutal. That was really brutal. That was probably it, the most like, brutal moment in the show. Yeah, I I mean, yes, is bad, <laughs> and and then I think that it just has compounded to the point where her body is saying no more. Mm-hmm. I think that her body is, uh, the body keeps the score, so to speak, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think it yeah, is exactly. uh, it is coming to pay it's take behind. its penance, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to dive into this with some trauma experts next season um, oh, as we cool. as we tap into more of that. So sneak peek for next season, y'all. <laughs> All right. Anything else we want to jump into before we maybe take a little break? But any other moments that certainly kind of lend to authority and that we want to make sure we, we <clears throat> speak on? Nothing coming to mind for me. All right. Well... Thank you all for listening to this lovely conversation on authority. We're going to take a short break and we're going to come right back into your ears with some couple of new segments, not new, but like new to the episode. Next segment's coming soon. Wrap it up, Ben. (laughs) We'll take a break and we'll be right back. sure did we're gonna jump straight in to Twi'in-Law ah what is something that pulled us in or pushed us away so I'm gonna start because I know that one of you is probably gonna say it and I want to get it first so I every time I watch this episode I start crying at the end when they like as as soon as the ceremony starts I just start welling up because of how much has gone into this moment. And I'm thinking about Cora, who has just gone through so much drama in her life and is just ridiculous in this wheelchair and this single tear that comes down her face. Mm. So really this whole scene is I live for this scene. And so yeah. that is what pulled me in for sure. Um, well, and then what? Go ahead. Sorry, no, you, you please, please finish. Sorry. So, and I think, I think what I want to pick for what pushes me away is, you know, I really get frustrated with Zaheer in this episode because he goes from this 
and it, this is indicative of a lot of things, but he, he starts out giving this like merry band of brothers Shakespearean uh, speech. And he is all about it, and he's in full control. And it's really interesting. As soon as he is out of control, as soon as he has been captured, he loses it in a way. And that is, like, so real, right? I've, like, I can't do anything else. And then he just starts laughing and gets a little bit maniacal. And I, I, I just, that it's too real and it makes me feel uncomfortable. So <laughs> it, it pushes me away in that regard, even if it's accurate. It makes me feel like he's like, a, he's like the dude at the bar that gets rejected, all calm and cool. And the moment they're told no, starts to be like, what, what? You're, you're, you're terrible. <laughs> you're bad. You know, what I mean? so yeah. like that's what he reminds me of in this episode. Yeah. All right, Alex. What about you? What's your What's your push? What's your pull? All right, I'm gonna get my pull, and it's um, the same <laughs> as you, but I'm gonna uh, frame it slightly differently. So it's oh, not, I love it. I so love it's it. not utterly um, predictable. So specifically in the ceremony when the the new airbenders start bending the incense. Yeah. You know, and, and that to me, that like that was actually the moment where I got choked up because th- those people have been on such a an amazing yeah. journey, right? Where they, they weren't I just able got to, chills. They weren't able to bend before. Suddenly they can and now they're working together. They came of their own accord, right? Because at first Tenzin was trying to kinda Shanghai people into the <laughs> the airbending temple and then these people came because they, they saw the 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 power of the airbending you know practice and um also as someone who practices zen in a formal way um i've learned the 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 power of healthy ritual you know um, yeah and so and there's lots of incense (laughs) and zen rituals and lots of people kind of dressed the same way doing the same thing at the same time and kind of using their bodies to create um, to kind of express their shared intention. And so that, that was like a really powerful demonstration of that. And it, it really got me here. Um, and, and the music is so good. Like they're playing like the, 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 the avatar <laughs> so theme or whatever. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Um, and I guess what pushed me away, this is just kind of like a, um, uh, quibble with the, the way this episode unfolded. I got pretty tired of the fighting um, Lots so, of fighting. Yeah, especially the the, the, the duel between Korra and Zaheer, I felt just kind of went on and on and on. And and maybe there's a reason for that, and maybe that has to do with why she's utterly spent this time. Yeah. Unlike before, but I just, I don't know. I, I felt like at a certain point during that fight, I was like, okay, we got it. Like, Enough. You know, yeah. This is, we, we get the point. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, thank you for sharing. Sunshine, how about you? I think the thing that um, pulls me in is there There are always moments in the show where I'm like, oh, Cora's really strong. Yep. Uh, and so the moment <laughs> where it's like she's in platinum chains, she's been poisoned, the uh, avatar state yeah. starts to happen, and then they go to kill her, and she's able to she's fight like, it off. Nope. <laughs> and then she yanks the chain out of the wall and starts yeah. slamming this, like, yeah, uh, you know, rock via chain to across like, things and starts fighting back. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. She's really good. Yeah. That was a great I like those moments because I'm like, oh, man, what's she going to do? And I'm like, oh, yeah, she's going to uh, fight. <laughs> and, and and I um, – we just get to see how strong she is, and I really yeah. I really like that yeah. moment. Um, 
I don't love that she has to go through it, but I like that moment. Fair. Um, a moment that pushes me away a little bit is I love the little Ocean's Eleven plan that, like, the Airbender children have concocted. And then you don't get to really see it play out all day <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Team right. Avatar just, like, blows a rock through the wall, and you're like, all right, cool. Um, so they were going to get out. That was useless. <laughs> um, so it's like one of those things where you're just kind of like, I really want to see how this plan continues. And then uh, we don't have time for that rock uh, wall hole thing happens, and now it's like, all right, everyone's free. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> I was really mm-hmm. intrigued. Yeah. So that's a moment that pushes me away a uh, little bit. What a moment of balance for all of us to just yeah, a good one. think about the things that push us away and the things that pull us in. But we can't linger here forever, so we're going to move on to our devotion. 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 Through fire and authority. Yeah. So remember everybody this is our moment where we are setting an intention for the coming week based off of the discussion we've theoretically we have discussed this and we don't want to just be a discussion we want there to be action behind this so we want there to be something that we are doing this week that is putting our learning into practice and the way we do that is by setting an intention we set a goal that we want to accomplish or think on in the coming week and this week we are thinking about fire and authority so, Sunshine, since you went last last time, I want you to go first this time. Can you tell us about an intention that you're setting? Yeah, I think mine is I really love the concept of questioning whose authority or, or who has the like ability to to give this authority, right? Mm. Um, and so it makes me want to question, like, well, who says? Who says that's the way that that has to happen? And in my head, I'm viewing that as just, like, starting little fires and then letting them burn. <laughs> it's just, like... See how far they burn? Like, does, it, being like, does it... <laughs> Who says? And just by doing that, just a little fire. Just like we're gonna, we're gonna take this idea that has been a construct of whatever it might be for yeah. a long time. Something just need to be burned. Even, to and the that's ground. what I'm saying. Even if it's in my own life, like if there's something that I've been doing a certain way because I feel like it has to be done that way, it's questioning that. Well, who says? And and if it needs to get set on fire and burned, then like Great. let it happen. <laughs> and that doesn't mean there's not things where it's like, well, why do we have to do it this way? Well, because there's data that supports it, and then there's more data that supports it, and then we've seen the success of when we do it this way that it happens, and then you go, okay, we'll keep that. But there are some things we can just go, no, burn it. I don't want yep. that anymore. And so I think for this week, it's where can I find those moments of um, burn it. And then how do I help other people burn those things too? Mm. We're going to set some things on fire this week. I, I like it. God's pro. Yeah. I'm here for it. That's my plan. <laughs> All right, Alex, what about you? Um, yeah, my intention, let's see. Um, well, the element of fire, if I, if I uh, have this right, I think corresponds to uh, the wand suit in the, in the tarot deck um, mm-hmm. conventionally. And I got a really powerful tarot reading a few years ago. And uh, in the, in the uh, I think it's called the Celtic cross, the... Um, arrangement in which the cards are presented there's there's one one card that kind of um in the context of my reading captured something about my sort of attitude towards what i was working towards in my life and it was the seven of wands and then the um rider weight deck the seven of wands is a a man um standing um like on a, an elevated um on sort of a, a prominence like a boulder or something and he's yeah. holding he's holding a wand and there's six people trying to sort of come after him um and it's about you know and he's, he's sort of fending them off with his wand um and uh you know maintaining ground that that he's gained um yeah. i guess and and 
using his uh, aggression in a presumably healthy way. And so um, it really stuck with me. And it's something, it's an image that I come back to when I feel like I'm straying from my sort of core intentions mm. um, and like letting myself get distracted, letting myself kind of get bogged down with conflict and, and sort of second guessing. And so, as you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I'm in the midst of this, you know, uh, uh, chaplaincy training program. I'm actually very close to being done but I'm really in a sort Congrats. of... Thank you very much. I'm in a kind of crunch time right now where I have several small papers due and a big thesis due. And yeah. I've, been, I've been kind of shrinking from that a little bit just because it's stressful to think about. And so this week I'm going to um, try to uh, attack a very specific... Um, uh, try to meet a very specific writing goal. I'm going to try to write uh, three, three papers, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I'm you know working towards being a chaplain, so there's some kind of authority in there that'll come with that yeah. and I'll have to spend the rest of my life asking whether I deserve to have it so <laughs> yeah I love it fire is bold and you are choosing boldness I love it um okay yeah for me when I'm thinking about fire here and you know we've we've done several of these at this point I, I'm thinking about authority feels very cold to me mm. but like fire is warm warm it's it's not it's like the opposite and so i'm I'm thinking about how (laughs) sunshine come on give me a minute uh fire is hot no i'm loving this continue and i i want to lean into the power of of fire and oftentimes you know fire can burn but also fire is something that we can share among people and when we share fire it can help other people feel warm Right, and I, I don't think that's accomplished through authority as often as I would like it to be. I think that's accomplished through other other means more readily. Better leadership often stems from from influence, right? Saying, "Hey, I want to keep everybody warm, and so here's some of this fire, and I'm going to lend it to you, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to be any worse because fire <laughs> continues to grow um, and does not need uh, does not need to be hoarded." So I'm thinking about how how can I continue to light other people's fires while continuing mm. mine from you know burning out. That is something that I want to be mindful of this week. Can, can I share I something that. really quick? Uh, just yeah, yeah. Take take my license as, as guest to go off script a little bit. Uh, <laughs> do, do, do either of you know who uh, Daniel Dennett is? He's a philosopher. Nope. Uh, philosopher of yeah, mind and um, and uh, he's. Write, written a lot about cognitive science. Um, so I, a long time ago, got to go to this like colloqu- like dinner party or something after a colloquium, and somebody asked Daniel Dennett if he could run any experiment, um, what would it be? Like with if, if the cost of running the experiment or the logistics were not a concern, what would he really love to see? And he said he would really love to <laughs> see how long a group of non-human primates let's say apes can keep a fire going interesting right because it's presumably something that humans uniquely among primates were able able to do and in some sense are still doing and that's sort of like the story of prometheus captures this like we've been keeping this fire going by sharing it yeah and non-human primates have obviously not (laughs) but 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 could they learn to um, is, is, is the question that, that he had, um, which uh, I've thought about a lot in the almost 20 years since that 
um, encounter. But anyway, I thought I would just throw that in because yeah. I haven't thought about it in a long time. Yeah, it makes sense. Sharing fire. We got fire sharing. It's great. Apes may or may not be able to. Uh, I am grateful that I can. Oh, segue. We nice. <laughs> are going to be talking about gratitude now. I'm really excited because this is one of my favorite things that we do. So, yeah, let's, let's talk about some gratitude. Let's start with we. I've started. Sunshine started. It is your turn, Alex. Who are you grateful for? Well, since I'm the guest, I'm going to take the one that we're all thinking, which is Janora. Um, she's fair. just that is fair. She's just like an awesome <laughs> character this whole series yep <laughs> she's yep. just a really really great character and uh i'm really happy that she's part of my life yeah i am so grateful for janora so retweet and uh for me someone i'm really grateful for in this episode also is su yin su yin hmm. has several moments that just seem to just float by if you aren't paying attention hmm. uh she talks like in this really caring voice to Tenzin saying don't worry I will rescue these kids I will mm -hmm. rescue the airbenders I am I am here to help make sure that they will be safe and then she follows through and then she helps them and then at the end she's the one who is ultimately able to having never done this before extract most of the poison from Korra's body hmm. and I think that we really got to lift up our, our hands and clap for, for Su Yin. I'm just really grateful um, that she was there and able in this episode. Mm -hmm. Sunshine, how about you? I think I'm cheating. Sounds uh, like it. Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> where I'm leaning. Um, I want to give gratitude to the power of a collective. That's cheating. I, I, but, like, I think it's important, right? So to see what happens when we work together as community mm. um, and the positive nature that that brings to what we're doing. Mm. Um, and we see that throughout this episode of when, what happens when we truly work in tandem with, with those that we're in community with. And um, I think that's just too powerful to overlook and not lift yeah. up. And so... Yeah. Uh, the collective is is my the, all the airbenders yeah. is currently my gratitude. Yeah, and just echoing that for Janora, who was able to harness that power. Correct. Right? Yeah. And so again, Janora, MVP of the mm -hmm. series. <laughs> well, y'all, Alex, uh, you thanks for joining us on the last episode of this season. Yeah, big deal. Um, yeah, you know, if we want to send people to to you, if people want to find you, or you want them to find you, where could they do that? Yeah, um, I guess I, I'm on Instagram, um, and sometimes I post things that aren't just about how cute my dog is, and so my, uh, but even that people might want to see. So my handle is Alex B Fine. B as in boy, Alex B. Fine. And then that's also my, um, I have a, a blog where I write, write things sometimes. It's just alexbfine.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining. Remember, yeah, everybody, you, you can also find us at BNB underscore pod. Uh, we are on all the things, including Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Yep. Uh, we have a Facebook group. We have a Patreon that you can support us on. <coughs> we are trying to uh, <laughs> cultivate a large enough stipend to pay our producer a living wage. And we 
aren't there yet. No. So um, I would love for that to happen. He's very grateful to do things on a volunteer basis, but we... Uh, I would like for him not to. to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does a lot of work, yeah, and nice. I want that's that to nice be goal. compensated. So mm-hmm. um, if you are hearing this and you have some extra fundies, uh, feel free to uh, add them to our coffers via, uh, you know, Patreon. Also, there's cool perks, so that's cool. You yeah, should, live should. episodes. Lots of cool stuff. Fun stuff. Okay, we did it. We, we did, did it, everybody. Thanks for another wonderful season. I'm Sunshine Mayfield. I'm Ben Pruitt. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.